Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Station. Airserve proudly presents the Afternoon Underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now here's Dave Jennings. And 20 for 80. No, no, Tony's not here today. Tony's off. We're both off tomorrow as the Kentucky State Fair kicks off today. Kids are back to school. Just doesn't seem right to have those things overlap. The kids need to be out there for a few more days. Oh, well, not my problem. Glad to be here today. AirServe bringing you the show, as always, 561-0011. I read a piece that Eric Crawford had at WDRB.com. And in it, he is a little more optimistic than many, not completely optimistic, that Louisville at least stands a decent chance in aspects of their appeal. It's rather lengthy. It's good to have a lengthy piece. And he has one at WDRB.com. He'll kind of go through what he's thinking at 4.05. Now, whenever we do this, I get the tweets and I get the emails. Stop it, Dave. It was prostitution. Just take your medicine. This makes us look bad if we do this. First of all, go Kayets. And second of all, no one is paying attention to Louisville's appeals process. They've weathered the storm. It will be in the news again once it's settled. But no one, and I mean no one except us, is paying attention to the fact as to where Louisville's appeal stands. Not many people, even guilty people in the court system, do not appeal. Ezekiel Elliott is appealing. By appealing... He is not admitting that he's guilty. He is just trying to get his suspension reduced so he can make more money. Optics be damned. Everyone is going to appeal, and so should Louisville. So we'll see what Eric's thinking at about 4.05. Roger Goodell, speaking of that appeal, Harold Henderson. Is that Hollywood Henderson by chance? I don't know. He's going to hear the Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott's appeal August the 29th. He's been an officer since 2008. He was the arbiter in a couple of other cases. Cowboys defensive end Greg Hardy and also Vikings running back, ex-Vikings running back Adrian Peterson. In those, Henderson reduced Hardy's suspension for alleged domestic violence from 10 games down to 4. That was in 2015. And he upheld Peterson's indefinite suspension for child abuse. That was 2014. Back to Elliott, as you know, his former girlfriend accused him of multiple incidents of domestic violence. He's going to argue that she made multiple threats to ruin his career. And as we said before, even if that's true, that doesn't justify what he allegedly did to her. She could be the worst person in the world, and it doesn't justify it. Colt center Ryan Kelly sidelined indefinitely after he has a medical procedure on his foot. He was initially knocked out during the Colts' practice with Detroit, then held out of the Lions' preseason game last week, not thought to be serious at the time. But ESPN's Adam Schefter says surgery is scheduled now for Friday. This is a bone defect in his foot. Could be out six to eight weeks, according to Schefter at ESPN. Tragedy today in Barcelona, another terror attack involving a van hitting pedestrians, at least one fatality 
There were four, at least, NCAA basketball teams traveling in Spain. Clemson, Oregon State, Arizona, and Tulane. Everyone says there that they're okay, but obviously tragedy still struck. It just did not affect any American basketball players. And Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor fighting with smaller gloves. Now, they're really small, the ones they use in the UFC, all the way up to 10 ounces. They're going to use 8-ounce gloves. I think it's four in the UFC. I believe it is. And Floyd Mayweather actually is used to eight ounces also. So it's not a huge, if you think it's a huge deal for Conor McGregor to have smaller gloves, Floyd Mayweather is just fine with it. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. One of my pet peeves in sports involving coaches, especially this early in the season, Nick Saban today was at it again. This is one of my, this bugs me all the time. Okay, coaches get paid a lot of money. We know that, okay? Okay, I'm, I'm like Joe Pesci today, okay? Okay, okay, you know they get, okay, okay. They get lots of money. Part of it is they have their university salary, which was reported to the state. So Saban's university salary might be 400000 Then it gets all the way up to like 9 or $10 million based on other things, other factors, including the media and the obligations. And I can't stand it when they go off in the media when they don't deserve it. Nick Saban's not a fan of preseason predictions. It's got to suck for him always being picked number one and then following through most years. That has to be an awful burden for Nick Saban to bear. So Saban started venting today at a press conference. Why? I don't know. Here's what he said. Oh, I don't know. You guys make all these predictions about everything, about guys who are going to be great players that have been here for two years. Who's going to win all the games? I don't even know why we play. Why do we even play? Why do we have practice? Why do we compete? Why do we coach guys? How they need to improve? I mean, you guys got all the answers to how these guys are going to be, what they're going to do. Sometimes I wonder, why do we play? Why do we even have practice? You guys have all these conclusions already drawn about who's what, how good they are, what they can do. So why would you ask me? That's puzzling to me. Why would you even ask me? I read stuff all the time like, oh, that's nice to know. Where'd that come from? And then you ask me? When? When, 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 when? Just answer your questions, Nick Saban, and take your money. That's what these guys get paid to do. Oh, or coaches, if you don't want to deal with the media and these obligations in the coaches' shows, let's just lop the salary back down to $400,000 and not worry about it. I bet you a lot of universities would take that all day long. Not going to happen. And by the way, it's not just salaries. They have some interesting things in their contracts that we don't even talk about. When we talk about Bobby Petrino and $4.2 million, whatever it is, Jimbo Fisher's 5 Nick Saban's 8 or 9 or 10 these days, there are lots of other perks in these contracts. Power 5 coaches, a good chunk of them have private plane use. Kansas State's Bill Snyder, only 10 hours in a private plane. Urban Meyer gets 50 hours per year, and he gets personal trips. He took 11 personal trips, including with family, to Cape Cod, Florida, South Carolina. Ohio State paid an extra $120,000 for that. Most contact, uh, contract language in the Power Five says that coaches get the use of two cars, and gas and insurance likely paid for as well. Now, Gary Anderson at Oregon State, he only gets a car allowance. So he's got to make $20,000 work for him and his vehicle. Cliff Klingsbury at Texas. Apparently, I'm sorry, Texas Tech. They hate the fact that he's single. He only gets one vehicle. But if he gets married, his family gets a second car. This is kind of surprising. Jim Harbaugh, they get apparel deals. Obviously, they don't pay for their clothes. Harbaugh just gets $4,000 a year from Nike. Of course, he wears one outfit, so I suppose that's enough. P.J. Fleck at Minnesota gets fifty grand in new gear. And I did not know this about Mark Stoops' contract. Maybe this is common knowledge in the bluegrass. I don't know. 
But uh, these are in the line of bonuses. We know that there are bonuses to to great achievement, to bowl appearances, to playoff appearances. Well, Coach Stoops has $250,000 bonuses in his deal for every win beginning with the 7th. So a 7-win season automatically then triggers one more year to his contract. So if Coach Stoops gets to 10 wins, his contract then is extended by two years. And then win 7, 8, 9, and 10 equal a $1 million bonus. It's kind of a cool deal, actually. Nice if you can get it. Now believe this, Iowa State, who's the, who's the coach? Matt Campbell. Of course you knew that. This is where they set their standards. You win six games at Iowa State, Matt Campbell gets a half a million dollars. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa gets five hundred grand for eight or more wins and a hundred grand for a bowl appearance. Saban, after twenty twenty one, gets a retention bonus of three point six million dollars. Dabu Swinney got a nine hundred thousand dollar bonus for winning the national title. Why do we even play? Why do we even practice? You guys know it all anyway. Oh shut up, Nick Saban. Just do your thing. Just a pet peeve of mine. I got that off my chest. Okay. Five seven one seventy nine hundred if you'd like to pop in. I want to ask you this question about Louisville's football schedule. I, I love my hypotheticals. You guys are it's kind of a mixed bag, especially Kentucky fans. We're gonna win them all anyway. No, you're not. So the betting money is going to be on the University of Louisville's football schedule. The three big games are obvious here. Clemson at home, September the 16th. Florida State on the road, October the 21st. Kentucky on the road, November the 25th. There's no other game that's even close. Purdue's going to be fun. At NC State can be a trap game. You have to watch that one. At Wake Forest, eh, Murray State, eh, Kent, eh, all wins. So it's easy. Clemson, Florida State, and Kentucky. If I had to guess, and the betting money would be from Vegas based on the spreads, that Louisville will go, well, actually Vegas thinks Louisville will go 1-2 and two there based on the Clemson spread, but I say Louisville goes 2-1 and one there. Logically, losing at Florida State, hard for me to predict because, yes, I saw last year's game. It's hard for me to believe that suddenly that Florida State team is 10 points better than a better Lamar Jackson, but we'll see what happens. But the betting line based on the spreads, if it were 2-1, and one, Louisville wins over Clemson at Kentucky and loses to Florida State. I want to ask you, though, And let's just assume, this is the hypothetical now, I know a lot of folks want to say we're going to win all three, and I hope Louisville does. And as a sidebar, on October 21st, at Florida State, I go Florida State first, as you know, Louisville second. But in that game, what will matter to me, kind of like with the College World Series situation and the ACC tournament in baseball, if Florida State stumbles again early and Louisville's rolling along and Louisville has a chance to make the playoff and Florida State doesn't, then I become a Louisville fan in that football game. That's how I roll with this. So we'll see what happens when we get there. So I want to ask you, if it's going to be 2-1 and one of those games, which two do you need? I think Clemson is mandatory. Louisville has been oh so close to beating Clemson multiple times. This one is at home. That is a must-get. Now where the debate comes in, would you rather have the Florida State game or the Kentucky game? I would say, hard as it is to lose to a rival... Hard as it is to watch Coach Stoops rack up another $250,000 for winning at home, Louisville needs to beat Florida State worse than they need to beat Kentucky. I I get it at the office. I understand the rivalry. They can't get a streak of two going. However, if you beat Clemson and you win at Florida State, Louisville is likely unbeaten in the league. Maybe a stumble at NC State. And at worst, they're going to be in the running, and you beat those two teams, you're going to win the head-to-head tiebreak situation. 
The Kentucky game doesn't matter when it comes to the ACC and making a really good bowl game. I know it really, really matters. But you beat Clemson, you beat Florida State, Louisville's in the ACC title game and has the chance to go to, if not the playoff, a close loss at Kentucky probably doesn't do me. You might need a little help because that game, unlike the pit loss for Clemson, is not right at the end of the season. They were able to overcome it with a few weeks' time and some other things happening. But that wouldn't doom a playoff. But even if it did, you'd be in the Orange Bowl or some other bowl that meant a lot, and you won the ACC. On the flip side, to argue for the other perspective, you could say, let's just go ahead and lose at Florida State. I can't lose to Kentucky again, so we'll beat Clemson and Kentucky and take a chance that Louisville, with a Florida State loss somewhere else, could slide into the ACC title game anyway, and you've beaten Kentucky and denied Coach Stoops $250,000. Because they'll likely be in that scenario to get seven or eight wins at that point, based on what they have. I still, though, don't want to roll the dice. I want a guaranteed Atlantic Division title and a spot in the title game. Kentucky doesn't matter when it comes to that. Achieve the most that this team can achieve, and losing that game to Kentucky at the end doesn't doom you. There is a chance that because it's the last game, and I suppose there's a coastal team again that's not great, that doesn't blow anybody's skirt up, which all it can do is kill you if you don't kill them. Hope that Miami's really good. I can't hope that, but that's probably the one team that could be. So as long as it is a good opponent and Louisville rolls in the title game, you could overcome the Kentucky loss. So that's my question as we roll along here. Two and one. That's your record against Clemson, Florida State, and Kentucky. Who do the wins come against? 571-7900. And once again, coming up after the top of the hour, Eric Crawford will kind of delve in to the Louisville Appeal and his take on it. He has some different takes with different aspects. He dug into it way more than we did. And I know a lot of people are tired of talking about it, but I think most of us just want the banners. I think I speak for a lot of fans. We're all disgusted by this. We're all disgusted about the details. We all hate that it happened here, but it did. And we got to move on, but we got to keep the banners, plain and simple. And I still think the NCAA is not going to want to get into the banner pulling business. Once you open up that floodgate, here we go, on down the road. And one little quick thing before we take our first break. And this is uh, this takes me back to college. I always had go figure. I always had beer in the fridge, so you try to save a little money. Say so you have Mil- old Milwaukee Light, or I had Bush Light a lot. So girls would pop into the dorm. I would like to say it's to see me, but it was probably because I had beer. No, I had friends. I just wasn't like I wasn't like Vanetti in the dorm with a line out of it. So they they would come in. I give them a beer and they crack it and they do this ugh, Bush Light thing and then leave three quarters of a beer. So I got kind of sick of that. So I got a couple of Bud Lights, and I told them, let's just do a taste test here. So I emptied a Bud Light can, and I poured Bush Light into it. And then I gave, I did t- a couple of girls came in. I said, please just do this for me, costing me money. I didn't say that till afterwards. So just taste these two beers. Tell me which one you like. And both of them like, ugh, that Bush Light is awful. This Bud Light tastes great. They're both Bush Light. Now finish it. So it's perception and value affects your taste buds. Now, I enjoy wine. My wife and I enjoy wine also, and bourbon. Pretty much not a, not a beverage I don't like. Water's good, too. Probably should drink more of it. But we go by what we like, taste-wise. But it's hard to see, like, a $4 bottle of wine and then taste it and tell yourself it's really, really good. Because in your mind, it's a $4 bottle of wine for a reason. Well, according to a study out of the University of Bonn in Germany, our brains are convinced that when a bottle of wine costs more... It tastes better. 
So researchers, and this is the kind of research I can do. I can see grant money for important things like this. They randomly labeled three bottles of wine. They labeled one as $3, one as $7, and one as $21. 30 men and 30 women tasted them all. But what they did, they put the same $14 bottle of red in the bottle. So it's the exact same wine for all three. One just said $3, one said $7, and one said $21. Every single one of them, all 60 people, said the $21 bottle tasted the best. So there you go. Drink. I went to one wine tasting in my life, and it was good because the guy said, first of all, if you think a wine is good, whether it comes out of a bottle or a box or your shoe, then it's a good wine. If you like it, it's a good wine. Now we're here to learn a few things about it. But After drink the first what you couple like. of tastes, then they all taste good. That's true. Once you get to that point, Mud. I like two-buck Chuck. It's actually three-buck Chuck now. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Next, wait, is it four bucks now? Used to be two-buck Chuck. It might be four. That is Trader Joe's, Charles Shaw, the winery. And if you get people out of town that don't have Trader Joe's, they're like, Charles Shaw, that sounds elegant. It must be expensive. Now, if you have Trader Joe's, or Trader's Joe, as my friend at church, Ann, used to say, then they're, they're on to you. It's, oh, thank you. So that's what you do. You take the good wine out of your rack before your family comes in. You hide it in the basement and buy a case of three-buck chuck. They don't know the difference. That's it tastes it. pretty good. Five seven one seventy nine hundred. if you'd like to pop in here. And again, the question, if you want to weigh in, and maybe I laid it out perfectly so nobody is going to dispute me, but Louisville's likely to go 2-1 against Clemson, Florida State, and Kentucky. My opinion, but also probably Vegas's as well. You're going to win two of those games. For you, which two does it need to be? I say the ACC games, tough as it is to swallow a Kentucky loss, that's not as damaging. Could be more helpful to sweep through the Atlantic when all is said and done. Painful as it might be. Eric Crawford at 405. Adam Lefko after that. Your calls to when we come back. The AirServe Afternoon Underdogs. Dave Jennings. Glad to have you back. It is the AirServe Afternoon Underdogs. Dave Jennings here today. Jody Demling will fill in tomorrow. And Sid Jenkins will handle sports over on News Radio 840 in case you care about those things. Just Dave Jennings here. Mud is along for the ride today. Jody Demling was out today. At practice, and he had a chance. Tom Jurich has been very available lately in talking about the expansion at the stadium. We have some audio from Howie Lindsay this morning. We'll get to a little bit of that, but Jody managed to pull him aside. Jody is the Cardinal Insider. Got about six and a half minutes with Tom, so that will be something you haven't heard yet, and that will be coming up after the next break. So Jody Demling live from today with Tom Jurich, and they've spent a bunch of money on expanding that stadium, and it's moving along quite nicely. We'll let you hear from the guys here in just a few minutes. But I, right now, have to do something. This is my public service effort for today. So in the last few weeks, every time I would leave Kroger, which is frequent, I would see a little rack of Eclipse glasses. And I thought, oh, one of these days I'm going to remember to pick one of those up. That Eclipse is coming up before you know it. I need to go ahead and grab some Eclipse glasses. Then I thought today, okay, self, you're going to Kroger. Grab some Eclipse glasses. Dropped in the Prospect Kroger, first one I come to, no Eclipse glasses. Holiday Manor, next Kroger I came to, no Eclipse glasses. Lunchtime, I went to Kroger, Bastard Manor, no Eclipse glasses. So I'm asking everyone out there, and everyone now that is scrambling to find Eclipse glasses, even those that have the bad ones from Amazon, does anyone in town still have Eclipse glasses? I know there was one of the local coffee shops. I know DRB talked about being out at the fair and their booth. 
but not everyone's going to pay a bunch of money to get into the fair just to get Eclipse glasses. So does anyone out there know of anyone in town? And this means once you mention it, they'll sell out, and then I won't get them anyway. Or if you have extra ones, you can drop them off at the station. 4,000 number one radio drive. I want to check out the Eclipse, but there's no way I'm going to like just stare at the sun for like five minutes you're not going to trust even, the little even cardboard with, I, glasses i don't i <laughs> people yeah, have been look like those 3d movies back in the uh yes back in the 80s whatever i'm no i'm not gonna I'll, I'll go outside and see if it's dark that'll be cool and then i'll come back in people have been putting them on and then they're baffled that they can't see you're not supposed to be able to see <laughs> right. with them on unless you're looking at something that can damage your eyes like the sun People be dumb. Yeah. So if anyone out there knows where we can still find solar eclipse glasses, feel free, 571-7900, to give us a ring. The old way to do it, like we did in school, we never had one like 92% like we're going to get on Monday. And still I think it's a partly cloudy, so just kind of a random forecast at this point. Will there be a cloud in front of the sun at 227, or will we be clear? We don't know. I'm going to go to Target, get a pair of cheap sunglasses, and spray paint the lenses black. You're not going to see anything. <laughs> I'm kind of with you, though. They have this little number on the side. It's supposed to have this number, right. or it's not legit. But I think some of the Amazon glasses had that number. And they weren't legit. And they weren't legit. And if they quit, you're blind. Right. So the State Fair starts. Do we know, Mud, what is this year's newfangled fried thingamabobber? I don't know. I have to go check it out. Remember, they had the donut burger. They were right. deep-frying butter. That was a couple years ago. That uh, was gross. They were deep-frying Kool-Aid. My sister used to eat raw butter. She'd put a chunk of it on a piece of bread and then just eat the butter and then eat the bread. I tried it. Okay, what's this all about? What's the fuss all about? This must be awesome. It was terrible. I love my butter, but not that much. Not straight. At the Indiana State Fair this year, they have the Hot Beef Sunday. Mashed potatoes covered with beef, cheese, corn, topped with gravy, and a cherry tomato. I'd try that. I would do that minus <laughs> the cheese. That's kind of like shepherd's pie anyway. Right. Hey, uh, Indiana uh, State Fair, that was invented by uh, Ireland. At the Wisconsin State Fair, they have three little pigs ravioli, which is bacon noodles filled with pork covered in bourbon barbecue jam and cheese. Wow. Once again, I don't know. Without the cheese. Spam cheese curds. By the way, cheese curd, and they have met Dairy Queen. Curd is a dumb name. It sounds like a militant fighter, but I don't want to eat a militant (laughs) fighter. But curd is just, curd is one letter away from turd. They have them at uh, Culver's, too, which are pretty good. But not cheese curds. Cheese poofs? Cheese balls? Yeah, okay. Would I rather eat a ball or a curd? (laughs) Or a curd's ball? Neither one. I used to call them mozzarella sticks. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Even better. These are a little crispier. So the Spam cheese curds, they have Cajun dumplings, deep-fried butter, deep-fried eggs, deep-fried pickles. We do that here. You don't have to go to the Wisconsin State Fair for that. At the Illinois State Fair, cheesy fried olives on a stick, bacon on a stick, and Elvis on a stick. Was that like a peanut butter and banana sandwich or something? Close. Deep-fried banana, battered, covered in peanut butter, wrapped in bacon, and it comes with a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) I added that last part. Because I'm a marketing guy. I can help these people. 
And, okay, one more question here before we take our break, and then we'll get to the exclusive breaking news. Jody Demling just talked to Tom Jurich. I'm not sure if there's any secrets in here. We'll find out together, because I haven't heard it. I'm going to question you, Mud, on these foods that we all know and love, but we may have been pronouncing wrong for years. Okay. There's a box of brownies that a lot of us buy. People swear by Betty Crocker, but some love Ghirardelli. Okay. Is me saying Ghirardelli correct? Is it Ghirardelli or Ghirardelli? Yeah, I can't even pronounce it myself. Ghirardelli's, I thought. Neither one. Okay, which one? It is actually Ghirardelli. That's weird. Ghirardelli. So the next time someone's at the brownie counter, you can get all snooty and say, I'm sorry. That's Ghirardelli. (laughs) Then this one's easy because I took Spanish, even though this is Italian. The box of pasta in your pantry and at the grocery store, B-A-R-I-L-L-A. Barilla, right? Is it Barilla? Hmm, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with it. Think Spanish. Barilla. And and actually, it's not Barilla either. It's Barilla. Oh, okay. So Barilla. You think it'll be Ba. Ah, Che de A. Ah is the Spanish A. And it should be Ah, but they go B. Barilla. The sparkling water... L-A-C-R-O-I-X. Croix? It is La Croix, correct. There you go. Some people say La Croix. <laughs> Not a lot of folks say La Croix. I don't think. La Croix. Nestle, right? N-E-S-T-L-E. It's Nestle, right? Yeah, I thought. Nestle. Wow. Is the actual true pronunciation according to Refinery29. Nestle. So that doesn't sound right. Nestle chocolate milk. Nestle. You know this one, the fast food restaurant which has had issues, Chipotle. Am I saying it correct, Chipotle? I thought. Yep, that's no? correct. Okay. <laughs> that is correct. There is a, some people like the Belgian white beers, they're fine. The Belgian white, that would be Blue Moon. And, um, Shock Top is a Belgian white, but the original, H-O-E-G-A-A-R-D-E-N. That's Hogarden, right? The beer's Hogarden? <laughs> A lot more people would get into gardening if that was a place. <laughs> Maybe. Keep your dancing comments to yourself, people. I will say yes. Is it? Nope. It's no. Who Garden. Who? <laughs> Better music in that garden. Well, actually, if the Who is there, there'd be old groupies in there, so it's all kind of the same. Um, Kashi. K-A-S-H-I. Not sure what it is, but I would say Kashi. Am I right? I think it's Kashi. A lot of people say Kashi, but it is Kashi. Okay. Greek yogurt brand, F-A-G-E. That is dangerously close to something wow. that's not yogurt. F-A-G-E. It's not phage, I wouldn't think. How would you say it? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to touch that one. Oh, come on. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Faya. 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 So the okay. Greek yogurt, F-A-G-E. That's why Stamos doesn't do those commercials, because he can't pronounce it either. Okay. Faya. And then everyone's favorite peanut butter cup is what? Reese's. It is Reese's. Okay. Reese's like the monkey. Right. Not Reese's like most of us say. Reese's, so you're correct. It is Reese's. I switch. Sometimes I say Reese's. Sometimes I say Reese's. I can't get away from Reese's. It's sort of like it's one of those tomato-tomato things. Unless you're a politician, then one's absolutely wrong. So it is Reese's. So there you go. All right, we'll take a short break. When we come back, exclusive audio, Jody Demling talking with Tom Jurich after, during, around the practice facility this afternoon, a few topics, about six minutes long, they delve into some stuff that Howie didn't get into this morning that you haven't heard yet. You've heard me talk about air and I'm going to keep doing it, 
because you need to talk to them if you have HVAC issues. Their number is 561-0011. They're very busy, but they still don't schedule their text for a ton of jobs every day. Why? They don't want to get behind, first of all. That's annoying when you get the phone call. I said 10 to 12, and I know it's 2, but I had a lot of problems on my previous gig. That's not going to happen here. They schedule a lot of time so that their text can take a lot of time to fix your system. They don't go there like the full commission guys. And by the way, the full commission guys, a lot of times, the first one that shows up, you'll think he's a tech. He's really a sales guy. He'll go around the side of the house, clang around a little bit. He couldn't fix it if he had to, but he can talk about them. And he'll tell you, yeah, the uh, dips-a-doodle is uh, flapped-a-doodled. It's, it's gone. Shot. You need a new system. And you think, oh, geez, I knew it. It's been making noise. It's okay. Go ahead and do it. We can do it tonight. Oh, perfect. Well, they want to get it out of there so no one else sees it. AirServe will fix the dipsy-doodle if they can, and they'll try all sorts of ways before even suggesting that you need a new system. They're A-plus, Better Business Bureau. That's BBB.org. Check them out, and check out some of the other guys you see on TV all the time. Some of them have even had issues with the Attorney General. AirServe 561-0011. Back with the Tom and Jody audio. Glad to have you back to AirServe Afternoon Underdogs on a Thursday. Enjoy the fair. I think we're going to go freak, I mean, people watch on Friday. Maybe tomorrow evening we will go because you know why? The WDR booth at the fair apparently still has Eclipse glasses. Not one person called to say, I know where to get Eclipse glasses. I guess we can take the old approach that we did back in school and they're showing you how to do that again. It just seems kind of weird to look at a piece of paper on the ground right. and watch a circle slowly disappear, knowing it's happening above you, but you're just looking at a recreation <laughs> of it. It just seems kind of weird to me. I can't get excited about the cereal box and the eclipse. I liked it when I was a kid. No, it was kind of cool, yeah, but we, I want the glasses. It was some kind of... Look, I was in middle school in, what, the uh, 80s. Right. So uh, I remember there was there was one big event where we all went out. Mm-hmm. Like, Why are they canceling school for this some places? Oh, my guess is lawyers got involved. Man. Like, I, well, they had the one school district or one school. I forgot where they are now. But they had 200 pair of glasses they got off of Amazon that turned out to be defective. So if the school sanctions an event and everyone goes outside with glasses that may or may not be good, everyone stares at the sun, and right. let's say some of them are defective, you know what's going to happen next. Besides doctor visits, getting the schools to pay for the doctor visits. I got gotcha. you. So my guess is it's either keep everybody inside, then the parents bemoan. This is a teaching moment. How can you keep them inside? Well, send them home, and then let the parents decide if they want to have the glasses <laughs> that they bought and trust those on their little kiddo's eyes. That's my guess that it's all legal. I would have killed to get out of school at any reason oh. ever. I had a Spanish teacher. He was really cool, Mr. Madden. My Spanish name was Ugo for some reason. I have no idea why. So me and a buddy of mine would just say, well, we, we need to go uh, take a break. And he's like, okay, he'd let us leave. We'd go down to the lunchroom when someone else's lunch was going. And we'd sit and talk to our friends, be gone for 20 minutes, and stroll back in. He never cared. I don't know why. Great guy. That's awesome. Not just because of that. Another great guy is Tom Jurich, and another great guy is Jody Denling to go along with these two great guys, in our humble opinion. So Tom Jurich talked to Howie this morning, but this isn't that. This is just a little while ago. Jody Demling caught up with Tom after practice or during. We'll get the details a little bit later, but they start off here talking about the stadium expansion. Never take for granted. We appreciate it greatly. And I think they're going to be equally as proud of this as you guys are today when you see this. And, uh, I think it, it, every day gets better, bigger and better, and, and 
magnitude of it, I think it's just stunning, especially when you get down here on the field and work out. So we're excited about it, and hopefully we can continue to grow and, and grow at the right pace. When it's all said and done, five years now looking back on it, I mean, what will this accomplish? I mean, just the, the sound alone, I can fathom, will just be deafening in here. Well, that's what we're hoping for. I think the one thing we wanted to make sure is if we did close in the end zone, we didn't just do it as a normal bowl. We just bowl it in and put a bunch of bench seats. We want to do something that's really out of the norm, and I think we have. I don't think any college in the United States can, can, can compete with this as far as the uniqueness of it, to have all the chairbacks we have. I mean, this is going to give us up to 75 uh, uh, suites right now, private suites. We're going to have four different clubs. We're going to have uh, the Brown and Williamson Club, the PNC Club, the New Pepsi Club, and then the, the unnamed uh, club here on the on the on the floor level where the players are going to walk and run out for the game for so we're excited about how, where that's all going to go i think the club from the pepsi uh, the pepsi view up here behind us will probably be the greatest view in, in the city of louisville it's going to overlook the entire downtown and we think that'll become wedding central when you thanks well when you think about the landscape of college football and some of the iconic stadiums whether it's tennessee or alabama or whatever how is this unique and different for people who don't understand that? Well, I think right here you got you're on top of the action here. Plus, you've got all chairbacks. That's I think one of the biggest difference, and that's the one thing we wanted to stay with and keep as our staple is we wanted all red chairbacks. And and the important thing to us is that, that we do things different. We want to do do things the best that we possibly can. We want to be above ahead of the curve. I think we've been able to do that, and we wanted this stadium to stay very very unique. And I think it has, and it's got a great flavor to it. And, and I, I think when you when you see it, the eyes of the recruits when they get here, it's spectacular. And you know, right now is the worst stage when you're in when you got dirt and concrete and, and wood. It doesn't look so great. A bunch of people working out there, but the, but the kids they're really infatuated about it. And again, I take my hat off to all of our, our athletes and coaches and support staff going through all these headaches. But it's a, it's a good headache because you know at the end of the day that the light at the end of the tunnel is very very bright. With all the adversities you guys have been through, it seems like you're really trying to gain some positive traction with all the positive assets you guys have. Well, we're not trying to gain anything, to be honest with you, Fred. We, when we have problems, we deal with them. We deal with them head on. We were, we were very transparent. Uh, we've always told the truth. We were open and honest. Uh, we, we, we penalized ourselves before the NCAA gave us the notice of allegations. So I think we've done everything the right way. You know, we've got our appeal in, so that's it. So now we want to look and, and, and celebrate some of the great things that are going on here. And there's so many, there's too many to count. And we want to really focus in on them. That's where the We the Future campaign's coming from. Because we, we, meaning all the, the Cardinal family, has become the future. And that's what we're really striving for and have great things. I think the next 10 to 15 years are set up incredibly well. And the biggest part of that thanks goes to the ACC for including us and inviting us. When you came here, the program was okay, but it wasn't great. And now it's great. And the Heisman winner, all of this excitement, people begging for tickets. Did you really envision? No, no, I don't think anybody could. And it took me a long time to get Lamar ready to win that Heisman. But when he did, it was, it was some of my best work. <laughs> no, no, he's a... I mean, but seriously, no, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. No, no, and nobody could envision this. And it's been, it's just been a culmination of a lot of great people giving a lot of hard work and our fan base believing in us. You know, they believed in us when we, were, when we were getting thrown out of Conference USA. You know, they believed in us when we were in Conference USA. We were begging to go to the Big East. You know, we all thought the Big East would be our final home. We thought it was a great fit for us. And then, then it, bas- you know, it basically disintegrated right in front of our eyes. And then we had a, a home for a year of the AAC. And then our, our new best friend was Maryland. And when they left to go to the Big Ten, that really gave us the opening. And John Swafford believed in us enough and looked around and saw all what we did. And I think as a program from A to Z, it really helped us. And, I'm sure glad right now that we spent so much time and effort and, and resources in, in our Title IX programs and gender equity because I really believe that was a big part of us getting admittance into the twenty years ACC. ago. Twenty years ago, this is you get here. It's barely you know a train yard turned into a stadium. Talk about that 
path and how you've been able to do what you've done. But well, it's, it's, it's been path. great coaches. I mean, coaches that came, and you got to give John L. Smith a lot of credit. You know, he, he came in here, and he really he really changed, I think, the, the, the conceptual feeling about Louisville football. You know, he said well, he's going to play grass basketball. Nobody had ever heard that. Remember, I, if you remember, Fred, you were here long enough. Jody, you were here, but he always talked about first one to 50 wins. You know, and he took it, and he had a, he had a prize quarterback in Chris Redmond who was so excited to see a coach like this, and then he had a good six-shooter in his pocket named Bobby Petrino. So things worked out really good for us, and I think that got the excitement going. Had we not had that first year, I think, and, and really kind of transforming that excitement, I'm not sure we would have been here today. I really don't. So I, I really give John L. Smith a lot of credit for what he did here. How right, important man. for you, you talked, Mark talked about not the game day experience this year not being interrupted a whole lot. How important was that? Because you want to get this finished, but yet you want the fans to have a good experience. We do. Year. We do. We, we want it to be a great experience for our fans, but we also know it's a major construction project, so it's there's no way around it. There's going to be dirt and concrete and workers and trucks and things like that around it. We, there's nothing we can do about it, but I think if everybody focuses it on the end result, they're going to be very, very excited about it. I know the coaches and players are, and I certainly am. On this first chance, we, we, I got to talk to you since the Bill came out. One thing that it seemed like was new in there was that you guys had actually had a player that was reinstated on the current team. Was that was that new information that you guys were first well, sort of putting? Steve, out? I wish I could talk to it. I, I really can. I hope you all understand that this is two years really. Our story hasn't changed that much. We're under we're under an order not not to really talk about it. So we got to really you know it's out there. You've read it, and we just got to wait and see. And hopefully, our case has been well spoken. Is, is Coach Patino still appealing this case, as you understand? I believe so. All right, that is it. That was actually a is it a cacophony, a conglomeration of media types around here talking with Tom Jurich after practice. I hope that was the right one because Jody said he had exclusive stuff. But I hope you enjoyed that. Tom Jurich hanging out today out at the stadium and talking about the expansion, which is on schedule. It was a potpourri. As a potpourri. Love that word. Potpourri. There's a potpourri of delicious food at Lots of Pasta. Lots of Pasta Louisville.com. Before you head to wherever you're going, if you're going to the pool, if you're going to a picnic, wherever you're going and you have to bring a dish to pass, don't stop by the usual grocery store and get the veggie tray and the same old onion dip. They have so many unique chips and dips. And by the way, the best chips on the planet are called Light Bites. This is what happens. They, they have them in their own lots of pasta packaging. They disappeared for a while. Everybody was asking about them. So they had them in a more fancy bag from the manufacturer. And they had a sign that said, these are the light bites. And nobody bought them. So they're back in the lots of pasta containers, and we're scarfing them up again. They also have a great Cajun crab dip. Yeah, the Cajun crab dip is one of the many <laughs> dips. If you don't want to cook, there's some things that you can do when you have company over. You want to have breakfast, you want to make something nice, but you don't want to get up and cook it, and you don't want to clean up. I kind of hate waiting on your family that way. Pop in one of the breakfast quiches. Set the oven, wake up to a delicious breakfast, and it's already done. Plenty of lasagnas, different flavors. The Mexican lasagna, traditional, vegetarian, lots of vegetarian and vegan options. Becky's all-time favorite soup is the curry lentil. That one is also frozen. A lot of times it's fresh. Although the Israeli couscous might be a second. Actually, the Ethiopian lentil is another one of her favorites. See what I mean? Lots of stuff for vegetarians like my wife. LotsAPastaLouisville.com. And I have some news, by the way, regarding Kenny and the Garages show. Hopefully, John and Quentin will show up with some sandwiches. But also showing up will be Charcoal and More. Oh, yay. So Hal from Charcoal and More. And then Chris Marks, who is a world, nine-time world champion barbecuer, will have some stuff to sample. 
at Kenny in the Garage's house next Friday, one of our favorite remotes. So we'll see you guys there right down the street from Lots of Pasta, Heart of St. Matthews. Dave Jennings, the AirServe Afternoon Underdogs. Eric Crawford will kind of go through his thinking. He's analyzed Louisville's appeal, and he found a couple glimmers of hope. Sorry, doubters, we're still going to appeal this. Fight for the titles. You would, too. 790-KRD. Airsir proudly presents the Afternoon Underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now here's Dave Jennings. Glad to have you back for our number two. The State Fair starts and it starts raining, pouring. Such a high quality building, I can hear every raindrop on our brand new roof. Nasty out there. Yeah, I would want to be in a tornado in this building, I'm thinking. Glad to have you here. 571-7900. I told you about the long piece that Eric has on WDRB.com. And by the way, Eric, I asked you earlier, Eric Crawford, do you guys have any glasses left? I actually asked the, all, the, all the listeners out there because I'd, I'd seen them at Kroger for weeks and kept walking past them until today I tried three Kroger stores, all out of Eclipse glasses. You guys still have them at your booth, right? Yeah, they still have them at the booth at the at the state fair, um, and we're there all week, uh, every day, all week this week. They're in the north lobby at the state fair, so um, that you know, while supplies last, is obvious. You know, who, who knew that uh, eclipse glasses would be the hot the hot item of the summer? What's going to happen is, I'm, I'm, I guess that's one per person. Then they'll go walk around for a while, come back, grab another one. I hope you have plenty. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm. I'm out there Sunday. I'll be surprised if there's any left by Sunday, and I'll just be left with angry mobs of people to right. contend with. Who are you? Where are the glasses? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Forget you. But before yeah, we get we in, want the glasses exactly. Before we get into the Louisville appeal, I asked a question to start the show, and I was looking at Louisville's football schedule. Pretty obvious that the three big games, the three games fans care about the most, is the Clemson game September 16th, Florida State the 21st of October, and the Kentucky game November 25th. And I asked everybody, if you're going to go two and three, and that's a likely, I'm sorry, two and one in those three games, and that's a likely scenario. Eric, which two games are the most important to win of those three? Well, um, I'm going to say anything early, earlier is more important. Uh, they, they, um, and I guess for fan, you know, Kentucky is, is always important. So uh, with that caveat, but to me, the three key are the first three. I mean, I I know the others are important, but if they get to three and zero, then we're right back where we were a year ago, and they can have another whole season of all that hype. But if they stumble at North Carolina, or they lose at home to Clemson, or both, uh, you know, and both either one is possible because Clemson's really good, and North Carolina's on their home field, then you know you've just got a whole season of trying to get back <laughs> to where you were, and even if you win late. You, you've lost that momentum from early, so I would even couch it that you know that first three game set is 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 crucial, even more so than later on. I don't expect them to win at Florida State. I don't think anybody expects them to win at Florida State, especially after what happens last year, and especially as good as Florida State is going to be this year. So I just throw that one out. If you do anything good in that one, it's gravy. And so I guess I, by default, I would take the other two in your scenario. To me, that the have-to-win game is Clemson. Louisville's been very, very close, and that's with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Clemson named their starter, and I'm not sure how entrenched he is, so you catch him fairly early. Safe to say, by week three, Clemson's new quarterback is not going to be Deshaun Watson. 
So you have to get Clemson at home. Yeah, and you know that, that we're talking like a couple of years ago where they knocked knocked Deshaun Watson out, um, or, or he wasn't playing. I can't remember which at this point because I'm getting to that age where I can't. One year bleeds into the next, mm-hmm. but you know they had a shot then, and then, of course they had a shot uh, at home, and uh, they shot last. They had a shot last year as good as Clemson was at their place. So you're right; uh, they do need to get that job done. That that game is at home. I've heard there's been just kind of a feeling. It feels like. Little fans expect to win that game. Everybody assumes they're going to win that game, and I think that's a little going a little too far because Clemson, I think, is really good. Uh, people forget the, the depth all up and down that roster, and and they've been recruiting well. So we'll we'll see uh, what kind of if they take a step back after the championship. But I don't think it's going to be a huge step back. North Carolina could be a tricky game, but Trubisky's up in Chicago now. They lost most of their offense, right. and that's week two. So that's one you think Louisville will get. A lot of people, and they're always doing this with NC State, they're going to be this year's dark horse in the Atlantic. So if that's true, then that game could be a bit of a trap on October the 5th. Could be, but um, I, if, again, if you've taken care of business early, those games have increased importance, and having gone through all of this last year, I think the program will be in a lot better shape and will keep moving forward. I, you're right about North Carolina. That was going to be a monster game. Now it's just a difficult game because it's on the road. You're, you know, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be facing the Heisman Trophy winner. They're giving out their basketball national championship rings at, at halftime of that game. Be a big crowd, but it's also a noon game. So I, you know, <laughs> I don't know how, how juiced you get for any noon game, you know, anymore. Everybody's so, uh, geared toward doing stuff at night, mm-hmm. but that that's a tricky game too. And they're, they've lost a lot. They lost a lot to the draft that we didn't necessarily expect them to lose. But uh, they're still well coached and they're still at home, and so it's going to be tough. All right, let's get into your piece at the website wdrb.com. A deeper look at U of L's NCAA appeal and your six takeaways. First, and it's been sort of my opinion all along that penalties that punish a lot of innocent people and don't really do any good to correct a problem down the road, such as polling titles is not a really great option when it comes to penalizing institutions, especially if you're a fan of an institution that's going to have one pulled, possibly. And Jay Billis thinks similarly, yes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, you know, whether or not he, you know, beyond the subject matter of did this happen, did it not happen, what level of offense is it, you know, he can, he's come out clearly instead of the belief that vacating of stuff that's already happened is ridiculous because we already watched it happen, everybody knows it happened, and, and so forth and, and so on. But I think what Louisville, you know, they did some effective things. They did some things that I don't know will fly with the committee. But if you just on its face say, okay, none of these guys as players would have been ineligible for a whole season based on what they did, you know, based on the actions that Andre McGee took, then how do you figure that the whole season gets wiped out because of that? Because Louisville had a player go through this, went through the process, admitted, you know, having sex with somebody, didn't know it was a prostitute, uh, admitted having sex, NCAA gets it, restitution is done, he doesn't miss any games. So how then does that translate into stripping a, a program of a national title? This is what we all viewed this time a year ago. That's what we were saying. Well, it's going to be, you know, they're going to get some sanctions. It's not They're not going to have the banner vacated because you don't vacate for that small level of penalty. What the NCAA was was ratchet up the level because there was sex involved and because it was a coach hiring a prostitute for a recruit 
that raised the level of it. And I thought that's where Louisville's appeal would center, but that's not really, they didn't really address that, whether the NCAA had the right to do that, whether the committee properly did that. They didn't even explore that. I think they kind of just acknowledged, yeah, they can do what they want, but here's why we think they did the wrong thing. Probably need a new phrase besides stripping the the, the banner, but so yeah, yeah, yeah. Now at Miami, I mean, this was this was boats, this was cars, this was women. We don't know if there was prostitutes or not. I know they screwed up their investigation, but do the do the car strippers comparison for me because here is where it gets well, to yeah, the, the thought of a car yeah, ride no, versus mean, sex. Yeah, and there were escorts too. I mean, we don't know if there was sex or not, well, but but that's the word escorts was in there too. Uh, now the differences, uh, we'll do the differences first. The difference was it was a booster basically doing these things more so than a coach. Right. And that is a major distinction the NCAA can draw, and it's an important one. But in cases of strippers, and it's not just in Miami, but at Alabama, too, where you had players bringing in strippers for guys on recruiting trips uh, and paying for it, the the level of penalty wasn't raised at all. I mean, it, it was the same as any other benefit. Uh, and in, in the case of Miami, the strippers, you know, it was the same as, as going on one of Nevin Shapiro's jet skis. It, it just didn't – there was no difference between the two. Now – uh, this is different, and, and and I think it's fair to ask: is it is it just the fact that there was sex, or is there something else here that makes it you know more repugnant? And I know that it's a, on its face, we're all going to say, well, yeah, there's a difference. But I think from a legal and procedural standpoint, Lula has a right to ask that question, and and why why exactly, and what process the NCAA went through, other than just for the committee on the facts to say it was repugnant. We raised it from a three to a one. Well, why not a three to a two? Or why not, you know, why not? Why did it go mm-hmm. all the way to the top is what I'm saying. And they should have that explained to them, but I don't know that they really asked in this appeal. And one problem, Eric Crawford, we always seem to have with the NCAA, one of the many problems, even when there is precedent in a case, the NCAA can follow it or not follow it, whatever the heck they want to do. So in this case, they're sort of saying this really is unprecedented for the reason that you stated. It was a coach and it was sex, and he was the one doing the hiring, not a booster. So there is no precedent. But to me, a little ray of hope is the fact that they could set precedent here, and do they want to get into the banner-pulling precedent right before the North Carolina hearing? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, and and you're right about precedent, and you're right about the NCAA basically writing itself a blank check when it says, okay, there's no precedent. Once they say that, they can do whatever they want. Um, I don't. I don't know that that's exactly exactly true. Um, yes, you know, you're not going to find another case where there's a coach hiring prostitutes. So from that standpoint, there's no precedent. Right. But you are going to find cases where coaches have done things that you could classify as repugnant. Did they veer from precedent on those, or is this a different thing altogether? And I, I don't know where you know you, you may. Louisville may have gone through all this and found that those arguments didn't work to their advantage. They may have found that, yes, the NCAA did enhance the penalties and throw the book at people, and we better not bring that up. That could be what happened. But I'm not sure of that, and uh, I think it's it's worth asking. I'm only assuming that Louisville asked because those weren't the real kind of foundational questions that Louisville was asking mm-hmm. in this appeal. I think the one thing that bothers a lot of people, uh, fans alike, but I mean, besides everyone's horrified and, and outraged at the incident, but we can't undo it. So we go through the process, we self-impose, and it was a great idea because this thing is still going on. If Louisville didn't do that, we're heading into this basketball season with a big question mark, and a lot of recruits never show up. So they did the right thing. They hired Chuck Smirt, who still needs to buy a vowel, 
And by the way, he could buy an E, a U, and an I. I'll be smirt still. So, <laughs> any, um, so we do all this. I'm saying we as a university, as fans, thinking that the NCAA is going to consider that. And I'm thinking that at least it appears like they said, okay, thanks a lot for that. Now here's this. I think the university has a shot with that, don't they? Yeah. That, well, one of their big arguments was that their penalties that they self-imposed weren't really considered. They weren't taken into account. And not, and, and not only were they not taken into account, but there was no real explanation of where they, you know, what contribution they made to the final determination of the Committee on Infractions. And they are supposed to do that. That's part of the procedure. And where you can do well on appeal is if you catch them not doing something they're supposed to do from a procedural standpoint. So I'll be interested to see the NCAA's response. They've got to come back in 30 days and, and respond to this. But from that standpoint, I think they've got a, they've got a point that their own self-imposed sanctions didn't really count for much in the end, and their own cooperation really wasn't taken into account, and there's no evidence or explanation of how it was taken into account. And I think that's that's an important thing. And I think it really comes into play in the money. I think they got a shot at maybe getting some of those financial penalties rolled back just based on the amount of money that the NCAA says is involved versus the amount it would cost the university if all these things were to stand. And out of the gate, Eric, and by the way, the money, I think most fans are like, double the money. We don't care. Keep the banners. I mean, yeah. if, if you're going to pull the banner and give money back, we don't care about the money. The school's going to ask for more in ticket prices and tuition anyway. It happens all across the country. People care about the banners. My fear when this started, when North Carolina and Louisville were going through two very different things and two very egregious things, one involving sex in a dorm and the other involving 20 years of academic fraud, two things Two opposite spectrum of benefits. And my thought was, is the NCAA going to hammer both to set examples to the rest of the universities that don't even think about this and certainly don't think about that? It seems to me the first panel, the first infractions committee at the hearing went into it with, we don't care what you did, you're going to get hammered anyway. And I wonder if North Carolina is not watching this going, oh boy, this does not bode well for us. Yeah, I don't know that that, that one will make much difference to the other. I do think that, that the political landscape does matter, and, and these overall statements that the NCAA is making, they, they do matter. You can't help but not, you know, if you're on one of these committees, think about the message you're sending with whatever you vote to do. But I think there's a set of, you know, there, there is a set of violations in each one, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I Louisville's banner, I don't know if they'll get that banner back. I don't think the money is meaningless to Louisville. I think it's very important. If they can get those financial penalties rolled back, even if they don't keep the banner, that's a big deal for the athletic department. because It's a lot of money, and it's a lot of money that's just not floating around out there right now because things are tight. But for North Carolina, I don't think they're going to keep that 2005 championship. They, you look at the number of players on that mm-hmm. team that were majors in this department where these classes happened. They didn't just take classes but they've majored in it. I think this is where the NCAA takes its stand and where it plants its flag and says we do have jurisdiction over athletic, over academic matters where athletes are involved. And if there's wrongdoing, we have a right to come in and legis- you know, use our legislation to enforce rules. Uh, but there's a whole lot of bigger questions, I think, with this North Carolina thing than anything else. Because who's to say, you know, even if you took 10 fake classes at North Carolina, that you didn't still get a better education mm-hmm. than somebody that played for UNLV the year they won it. I mean, it's a tough, tough, uh, a whole 
discussion to have, and uh, and I, I don't know how that's going to wind up, but I don't think that old five banner is going to stand either. Now, in North Carolina's arguments were kind of flimsy. We're talking with Eric Crawford, WDRB.com. One of them was what you just talked about. Well, the NCAA doesn't have any concerns with our academics. The accreditation board will handle that, whatever. Of course they have. That's the heart of their mission is student-athletes, mm-hmm. and they oversee everyone. Yeah. And the other flimsy one was they're talking about up to 50% or more of the people that got the free classes, thousands of them, not free classes, free grades essentially for little work, were athletes. And they're like, you know what, our number says more like 25%. That makes it so much better. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, the numbers do matter, but uh, but – Look, you know, they're not even looking at the whole spectrum of years in these violations because they only can go back 10 years, and then it, then you're off the hook. So they're only catching about half of what happened anyway. So I think you tend to get, you know, what this committee can do is they can throw the book at you for everything they know happened, but not everything they can prove happened. And uh, I think Louisville caught a little of that with their ruling and I think North Carolina has to watch out for that because they'll, you know, the the committee will say, "Look, we're only looking at ten years, but this went on for twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting off easy, whatever we do." Okay. At the end of the day, when it comes to the banners, I think fans are most concerned about still seeing those banners up to the Final Four, and of course, the national title from 2012 and 2013. Let's say, best case scenario. You had the initial committee, which went very emotional, and the shock and awe of what happened were very fresh in their minds, and they were determined to hammer a school to send a message. Let's say the appeals committee is a little more pragmatic, and they look at the things that Louisville's bringing up, or maybe very much more pragmatic. Let's say Louisville gets a best-case draw from those people. Your odds, set them now, Eric Crawford, WDRB, that Louisville keeps the banners. Oh, um, right now, the odds going in... I'd say, um, well, you know, if I put in a percentage on it, I'd say that I'd put it at maybe 35% that they keep the banner. I think it's a two-to-one odds against them keeping the banner, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't, you know, I just, the, the politics of it, and that's what we were talking about, the, of going back on it now and taking a penalty off that's already basically been imposed, it makes you look like you're going weak on a subject where the NCAA I don't think wants to go weak, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, it, you know, if you go with the way they've always done things, uh, there's no way that should have been vacated, and then nobody, and I didn't think it would be going in, and nobody else did either. No, me either. So that's what you hope if you're U of L going into this is that you just get a different set of individuals on the committee that are willing to take a little more dispassionate look at it than what this committee on infractions obviously did. I mean, my guess all along, Eric, and I thought it was logical at the time, was that Louisville would be in really deep trouble if one of the players that had sex with a prostitute then ended up coming to Louisville and playing. Then they'd have real problems, I thought, but that didn't happen. That did not, in the end, entice anyone with extra benefits to come to school to play here. So I thought, okay, that should keep the banner safe. Boy, was I wrong. Well, yeah, as far as we know. Um Sure. Now, they did not talk to some guys who obviously had sex with, well, according to the book, and then came. They didn't, the NCAA didn't talk to those players, so they're not in this report. So that's, that's a little tougher. But um, I, I just think that, uh, yeah, I just, it just did not seem to me, when, when you don't charge somebody, when you don't charge an overall athletic program with failure to monitor or lack of institutional mm-hmm. control, 
you kind of figure that those big institutional punishments, the vacating of banners and that thing, are off the table. And um, that's why everybody, you know, after the initial thought that, that that wasn't something to worry about. And so it's it's just a little bit, it doesn't fit the charges and it doesn't fit what we thought was coming all along. But uh, it may be hard to overturn. Eric Crawford, you have another really cool piece at WDRB.com. Lost in all of this UofL shuffle is a really heartwarming, really cool story involving former UofL player Kyle Couric and Joey Cecil. Tell us that story. Oh, yeah, it's a great story. Well, not a great story, you know, in terms of health, because you're talking about two guys with brain tumors, but it's uh, it's an inspirational story with the way both these guys have handled it. Joey Cecil is a 27-year-old man here in Louisville, who's been diagnosed, uh, had, a, had a brain tumor removed. It was um, the most aggressive form that you mm-hmm. can have. Uh, and he uh, obviously gravitated toward Kyle Keurig. He's a UofL fan anyway, but Kyle's uh, troubles, he had a brain tumor in Spain and, and uh, you know, made it through that experience, returned to the court, still playing professionally. And Kyle came over and paid Joey a visit uh, last week here in Louisville, and they played some horse and shot around and joked around. And to see... You know, Joey and his positive, uh, which is the only way you can do these things, but, you know, you can't allow negativity to get into your mindset. But he's just so positive and, you know, has almost a dark humor about his situation, which is terminal for most people. Uh, It it was inspiring to see. And, of course, Kyle sees a lot of people like this and and tries to take hope wherever he can take it. And uh, it's just good to see Kyle giving back, and it was great to see Joey and his response. And it is a good story. I hope people will read it. And he's doing fine right now. They got everything out, but they say with this kind of tumor, they can't necessarily get all of the seeds. So his first scan was clear, which is great news, but that's not always a... I guess they're never going to say with this kind of tumor he's in remission. But you know what? Sometimes they do get all of the seeds, and I'm going to pray that Joey Cecil's going to be fine. Yeah, you know, he's going through the treatment. He's wearing a device that shoots uh, electrodes uh, got into his, uh, into his head to attack cancerous type cells and leave the healthy cells and there you know you just hope that the the technology is such that it can can buy him time and maybe in buying him time you you come up with other ways to fight these things you just don't know Mm -hmm. but uh, the the idea has to be that you're going to beat it and that is his absolute approach right now and i i admired it and was glad to get to meet him and and see kyle uh, again and how well he's doing and he's a state champion bowler we can't lose any good bowlers no no need all those we can get all right, thank you, Eric, WDRB.com. What are you working on? Anything you want to plug? Uh, well, we're talking to uh, Bobby Turner about a book he's got coming out uh, from his days at UofL. It's kind of interesting, and uh, we're getting ready for football. we got a, a 90-minute show coming September 2nd, the night of the game, pregame show for Louisville-Purdue, so we're putting some things together for that. Uh, should be fun. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks, Dave. And again, WDRB, nobody called to say that Eclipse glasses are here. X, Y, and Z, go get them while they last. The Kroger stores seem to be sold out. Is it Heine Brothers Coffee that had them at one point? Not sure if they still do. But WDRB.com, their booth, they're out there every day in the North Wing lobby. So if you can make it out there, there you go. I think we're going to head out tomorrow, see if we can grab some. I don't want to do the hole in the box thing. I really, really don't. So I saw this article today, What Not to Say When Being Told I Love You. Mud, with you and your wife, was it? Was there an obvious moment? Who was the first one to say "I love you"? And how did it go? Oh, great! My man card is disappearing as I as I say. That's this. what I do. I said it first. That's okay. But what was her reaction? Ah, uh, okay.
okay. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. No way. <laughs> she did not confirm. Oh, wow. No, I ended up marrying her anyway. So When, when did, did she confirm? Uh, probably like a month later. Oh, man. <laughs> now, did you drop little hints like, uh, an answer to that question that <laughs> no, was kind of dangling out I there? I did not bring it up again. You're, you're like, fine, you're going to say it next. Yeah. I was like, I'm never saying this again until you. It's obviously something you don't want to laugh, you don't want to swear, you don't want to pity them, you don't want to act like you're in shock. But your situation, I didn't even know this going in, reminds me of this from the Big Bang Theory. In the afterglow, here is Leonard really happy to be laying next to Penny. If my PE teachers had told me this is what I was training for, I would have tried a lot harder. (laughs) Do or do not, there is no try. Did you just quote Star Wars? I believe I quoted Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm lying in bed with a beautiful woman who can quote Yoda. (laughs) I love you, Penny. Thank you. <laughs> Is that familiar? Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. no. I, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, oh, good. Uh, good. Glad is good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Not the reaction uh, you wanted. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's getting pretty late. We should probably go to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Okay. Good night, sweetie. Good night. <laughs> there you go. Not the way you want it to go. Of course, they're sort of happily married now on the show, so all worked right. out. And he, by the way, is going to be a part of the Roseanne reboot. For the longest oh, time, yeah. I'm like, where do I know that guy from? He was David. He was, and then... It was Darlene's boyfriend. Yeah, and she's now Leslie Winkle on Big Bang Theory. So they're all a part That's of the crazy. reboot. And, and the mom, Sheldon's mom, Lori Walters... Okay. She's going to be a part of that, too. That's the daughter of the lady? Yeah, that was Roseanne's sister, I think. Oh, okay. Who okay. plays Sheldon's mom. Oh, I got, got John that. Goodman's involved Roseanne. They can't undo that horrible last season of Roseanne. That way. I think Dan died in that, but they're going to yeah. undo that somehow. Hmm. That's why they want a bunch of money, and they're traveling around being idiots. Right. That They can wipe that from the book. So he's going to try and do both, I guess. Must be nice. Still a funny show. Though. I have two big gigs. Okay, got to take a break. 571-7900. Coming up shortly... One Adam Lefko will join us from Manhattan. Right, in about 10 minutes In about so. 10 minutes or so. So we'll do another little segment. And if you want to answer my question from earlier, Eric Crawford danced around a little bit and kind of answered it in a roundabout way. But I'm saying that the biggest three games in your minds, and no one's going to dispute for Louisville football, it's Clemson, Florida State, and Kentucky. And no one's going to argue, no, that NC State game, that's crucial. That's the one I have to have. No, it's Clemson, Florida State, and Kentucky. Louisville probably goes 2-1 and one, in my mind. Vegas would say 1-2 and two if you think Clemson's a slight favorite. I think this is the year they get them finally. But what's the most important two of those three for you? I say it is absolutely the conference games because Louisville and Florida State, I'm sorry, Clemson and Florida State win those. You're probably unbeaten or at worst a loss to NC State. You'll win a tiebreaker, win the Atlantic, go to the title game, have a shot for a big bowl, if not squeaking into a playoff. The Kentucky loss could hurt at the end because it's so late. But to me, painful as it would be to lose to the Cats twice in a row, it would mean more for Louisville's postseason and for their conference accolades to win over Clemson and Florida State 
and eat the loss to Kentucky. Painful as it is to say, am I right on or no way Jose? Or no way Dave? If you don't speak Spanish. 790-KRD. So I like to play things you may not have heard before. I actually discovered this band today. So you think, all right, nice kid rock vibe. There's a little country flair, a little blues going on there. Got to be a band from Texas, right? No, they're German. The New Roses is the band. They don't even have an English website. Never would have guessed that. Album comes out next Friday. Pretty good stuff, what I've heard so far. 571-7900. Dave Jennings, the air serve. Afternoon underdog. My question before we get to Adam Lefko here in a little while. Goes without saying, I know they're all important games when you want to win a national title, and that's always the goal. But the three most important games, two most fans, Clemson, Florida State, Kentucky. Let's say we go 2-1 and one in those three. I argue that the most important two, despite the pain of dealing with another loss to BBN, would be Clemson and Florida State. You win those two, the Atlantic Division is yours. Lose to Florida State, you'll need help from somebody else on Florida State's schedule, or Clemson for that matter. I think Louisville gets that one. I think the FSU game's the key. You would need help to get back in the Atlantic Division race or win a tiebreaker. You win those two games, you don't. So I'm basing it only on winning a conference and possibly having a really good bowl game. Tough to go to the playoff if you lose the last week of the regular season. It would help. If someone in the Coastal was really, really good that Louisville could beat under those conditions, yes, undefeated would be great. But my hypothetical is 2-1. and one. I say win the conference games. Agree or disagree, that's why we're here. Let's talk to Matt. Matt, you're on KRD. Hi, David. Hey, Matt. Uh, well, I was going to say Clemson and Kentucky, but the way you described it, of course, let me explain why I was going to say that. Sure, sure. If you uh, if you beat Clemson and you say you lose to Florida State, but it's by only a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably still going to be ranked somewhere in the top seven sure. at that point. So the problem is, though, if you lose to Kentucky, say you beat Clemson and Florida State, and then you lose to Kentucky, I mean, any chance you had of playing in the uh, playoffs, uh, they're gone. I don't care what you're. I don't care if you're. I don't care if you're eleven and zero, and you go to Lexington and you lose to Kentucky, you will not be in the top four when they come to uh, decide who the top four are. Now you would need a lot of help if Kentucky, kind of like Pitt for Clemson last year, was more in the middle or latter third of the season, not the last game. You have a chance to overcome that, but that would be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, but, I just think. Uh, I just, I just think you, you have to beat Kentucky because it's the last game, and that's what they're, you know, that's what everybody remembers. The last game. Look at last season. The last three games, horrible. But what everybody forgot about how good the first uh, seven or eight games were. 
What would suck, though, in the close loss to Florida State scenario in that case is at the end of the year, Florida State and Louisville are tied in the division, but who gets the tiebreaker? Florida State and Louisville's really, really good. They beat Kentucky, but Florida State's on to the title game, and Louisville's off to a not-so-great bowl as it could have been. Yeah, Louisville's just got to be almost perfect. Yeah. And anyone out of the ACC does, uh, with, with the way these schedules are now. You pretty yep. much have to go 14-0 and to, to do it all, or 13-0, and whatever it is, unless you get one close loss early. Florida State-Alabama loser, provided they run it out because of who they are, will still be alive because it's week one. But the last game right. of the year would be tough. Yep, that's where it all boils down to. It's what they last remember. Thank you, Matt. All right, buddy. Let's go on to Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Dave. Um, I, I just wanted to echo exactly what that guy just said. Uh, if you win those first two but lose to Kentucky, I mean, that's crushing. You know? um, so, I, But I, in general, I agree with you. First things first, try to win the ACC first, and then let those chips fall where they may. Um, so I agree. Clemson and Florida State, you win those two, we're in great shape. Yep, and you'll have a chance at least for an Orange Bowl or something like that as opposed to a Tax Slayer Bowl or whatever. Thank you, Charlie. Whatever the ACC games are, I know if the ultimate goal is the national title, you obviously can't lose to Kentucky, but you have to start first and win the conference. I'd, I'd love to. It'd be great to skip this whole win the ACC title thing, just go straight for the national title. Things tend to happen in stages. I'll take either one. But as, as the and again, when it comes to that game on October the twenty-first, obviously being a, a grad, you know that by now ad nauseum. I'm going to be a Florida State fan first, and then you Louisville. went to Florida State. I know, I know. I never mention it. So and, and you tell me I never mentioned Dave, where'd you go to school? I've never heard. All the years I've heard you, I never know your background. And I, I wish you would please fill in some of these details. But for me, it depends on where the teams are. ACC tourney in baseball, and we talked about this at the time, because I didn't think Florida State was that good. They ended up getting hot down the stretch. But I was rooting for Louisville. I had my Louisville shirt on because, to me, Louisville had to get back on the schneid, and they had a chance to win a national title. If Florida State screws the pooch again... I'm an animal lover. I should not say that. It is just a expression. An expression. I had to edit out bad grammar in a spot I was sent today. Flawless. Seamless. It was great. But if Florida State already drops a game and their title hopes are dashed and Louisville is still alive, then I become a Louisville fan. Whichever one of these teams at that moment that has a shot, whoever the win benefits the most, is where I am. Of course, I default to the alma mater. Okay, when we come back, are we getting to the point that we should get left go at 5.05? Or do we have time to do them now? No, I think we have Time, we have time? Whichever. Okay, let's get left go next. Let's get left go. Sound good? Let's go for it. 571-7900 if you'd like to weigh in on the two out of three. Or just sit back and enjoy whatever the heck's about to happen with Adam Lefko. Live from... California. You know what that means. We're about to go north on the afternoon underdogs. Dave Jennings riding solo today. Adam Lefko. Long-time guest. Tony had his doubts live from Manhattan that once you moved away, you would stay with us, my friend, but you have stayed with us. You know, I don't understand why people doubt people that are consistent. Yeah. You could could use a lot of words to describe me. I'm a little crazy. I'm a little weird. Sometimes I think about odd things, but I'm very consistent. So I'm happy to be here, and I love you both. And, uh, dude, I literally just got into New York from L.A. I was there for one day, and now I'm back. Uh, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Why you been doing the red eye? What were you doing in L.A. for a day? Uh, they actually sent me out to meet with uh, a company that's going to do some sponsoring of the, of the Sims Alefco podcast. So I put on my sales hat, and I shook some hands and kissed some babies. 
What does the Lefko sales shtick involve? Uh, my shtick is I pretend like I don't know how the internet works, <laughs> and that all I want to all I want to do is make cool stuff. So when I sit down with a company, I go listen. I don't know what these sales guys are going to do. All I know is if you give us money, I'm going to say your product's name like 8,500 times. And I curse a little bit. They think it's really funny. I buy them beer. And they're like, man, this guy's this guy so chill and relaxed. <laughs> and then when we leave, I go, yo, do we think we got good cash? All right, nice. Let's go to the next one. So I use, Because what happens is when you're quote-unquote talent, you're, you don't know what you're doing. Right. So I just pretend I don't know what I'm doing. You just look pretty and talk and let other people do the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, the only time I really like to be called talent is when, mm. like, things need to be carried. And they're like, listen, you're talent. You shouldn't have to carry things. Ah. Like, you're totally right. You're totally right. Well, you can still talk with a bum shoulder. That's kind of a lame excuse, but I like that. When you said, I want to be known as talented, and I thought it was going to be something else altogether. Oh, yeah, I just, you know. I'm on my title, right? Let's go right to it. Ezekiel Elliott, he is appealing his six-game suspension. It's Harold Henderson who will be the arbiter. He reduced his teammate, or what would have been a teammate if they played together, but Greg Hardy's suspension back in the day, 2015, I guess, from 10 games down to four. So Ezekiel Elliott gets six, and then the league lambasted him for his suggesting that the victim had something to do with this. So I thought with the way they responded, that his likelihood now of getting anything back on appeal is slim. What do you think? I think very slim. I think domestic violence is the number one thing that the NFL's been trying to figure out how they're going to combat within their players. And I think they came down with the realization that if we believe you committed domestic violence, you are suspended six games. That's like 40% of the season. And, uh, yeah, right around that, like 40% of the season, which is a lot of money. And that's a long enough time to get you kicked out of the playoffs. Like, that suspension of Zeke could absolutely ruin the playoff chances of the Cowboys. I, I understand that all the fantasy experts are telling you to pick up Darren McFadden and you got to mm-hmm. be ready with Alfred Morris. It's not the same guy. Ezekiel Elliott has more speed than almost every running back in the league. He has great hands. His ability to, like, dive for an extra four or five yards through people is incredible. It's a huge – I think he will have to sit out the six games. I think the one thing that upset me was Ezekiel's camp released a lot of right. the, the comments where showing that maybe she was trying to blackmail him. I just want people to, to, to realize one thing. You can be blackmailed, but you still could have committed domestic violence. Sure. And that's that, you know, those two things, it, it doesn't have to be one and not the other. So just because she was blackmailing does not mean she wasn't abused. Now, is blackmailing, you know, okay? No, it's, it's the worst. Like, it's awful. But um, I just, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what the arbiter says. But if that's the rule, and that's the rule. If she's the most awful human being in the world, then don't date her, but don't hit her. It's, look, I hate, like, everyone has their own battles and, and I've been in relationships where you know you yell and you get angry and 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 you know we all say how can, you just can't hit a woman, you know it's it's hard because who the hell knows like I will never defend it like there's zero reason like there's zero percent for ever for any human to ever put their hands on any other human let alone a man or a woman, um, but the true thing is is when you get this big as he is and this famous and really I would recommend this for anybody. Look around at the people in your life. 
if they are bringing you anger and they're making your emotions change, then don't talk to them. One of the greatest things about social media is when people pop up in my feed and I go, oh, I don't care about this person anymore, and I unfollow them. It's really therapeutic, but everyone feels like they need to fix things. Listen, if you're having knockdown, drag-out arguments with your significant other, then break up with mm-hmm. them. I don't understand this with people. Life is so great, even by yourself. And, yeah, when I hear situations like that, I'm like, dude, there's a million people out there that you could possibly talk to. And obviously, whenever appeals happen, and this is how these cases tie in together, Louisville's appeal of their NCAA case and Ezekiel Elliott. Vastly different scenarios, I get it. But Ezekiel Elliott appeals, and they leak this stuff, and the optics are horrible for him. But he's just trying to get two games reduced and get about another million dollars or whatever it is back. This is his livelihood, and it also sets a precedent for future cases. Louisville, people say, just take your medicine. That was salacious. It was awful. But they're fighting for banners. So what would you tell people? Lefko, if you got 10 years for something, you wouldn't just say, I did it. I'm taking my medicine. You'd appeal to try to get it down to five, right? Of course. Yeah. No. If, you, if, you, if I'm innocent, I'm fighting for my innocence. Uh People that say they want things to be over with are people that don't really care about those people, and they care more about the news that they're seeing every day, and they're just annoyed by having to constantly hear it. It's also the, the Louisville one, it's, it's very depressing, you know, because it's like the accusations are so salacious that it, it makes me sad to, to think about one of the most innocent teams that I've ever seen with the best character guys that we applauded possibly being accused of being a part of something that they know they shouldn't have been a part of. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's got to run its course. As soon as, if, as soon as you see somebody stop fighting for their innocence, that's when you should realize they weren't innocent. Well, people will argue, well, they're not saying they're not innocent. They agreed to all the facts in the case. But if you have titles that are about to go away, you fight for those. It's the only thing that matters. Right. I mean, whenever I hear a Kentucky-Louisville conversation, all they care about is the banners. When I'm reminded as an Eagles fan that we have zero banners, you just look at the person and go, why did you have to bring that up? <laughs> banners are everything. It's, um, it's, it's where all the pressure is. It's the reason that it's easy to figure out who the best coach in each sport is right now, the, of the, the basketball and football, Saban, Popovich, Krzyzewski, and Belichick, because they have all the banners. Um, and to be able to continuously be good is great. And, yeah, man, like 2000 and when they won it in 1986 and 1980, like that's the stuff that matters. All right, Adam Lefko live from Manhattan and the Bleacher Report. Give me some inside knowledge here. Okay, the Colts have been really banged up in training camp. Ryan Kelly, their center, yep. maybe four, six, eight weeks. We don't know exactly. So Teddy Bridgewater, we're also hearing. Teddy Bridgewater is doing all the things besides um, dealing with contact. He's rolling out. He's moving on his leg. He's throwing without a brace. Who plays first, Teddy Bridgewater or Andrew Luck? Mm. Uh, I think that Teddy is more healthy right now. I mean, like I've said to you guys before, the fact that Andrew Luck was barely throwing tennis balls, uh, you know, Teddy's leg apparently is going to be okay. But I could also see them not rushing him because they feel very confident in Sam Bradford. Uh, I don't know if that same confidence is there in Scott Tolzien. They traded that first-round pick for him last year. They said at the time that if Teddy wasn't ready to go, they'd be willing to go around Bradford in the future. And when you really watch Sam Bradford play last year, he was actually very good. 
They have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They went out and got two new offensive linemen. The Colts, they themselves have been trying to build their offensive linemen. I would go with Luck first just because he is the franchise a thousand percent, and he'll say he's ready to go. But I do think Teddy's going to be ready before him. Uh, either way, the NFL is better if both of them are playing. Chicago Bears are starved for a starting quarterback. When they see the Packers have 25-plus years, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and they're trotting out Bob Avellini and even Jay Cutler. So the Bears haven't had their guy. Now, after less than a half, they are just giddy about Mitch Trubisky. Should they be? Yes. Um, I watched the film of Sims on uh, Tuesday of this, past, of this week, and what was incredible was even his incompletions were fantastic throws hmm. that the receivers dropped. Uh, their their offensive coordinator there is Dow Logan, another friend of Sims. He worked under Kyle Shanahan a little bit. And what I really loved about what they did with Trubisky, it was roll out left, play action, roll out right, wide receivers in motion. And you were able to see how athletic he was. This kid is fast. This kid has a strong arm. This kid can put it on the money. Now, that was against second and third stringers. He's going to move up in the depth chart, I imagine, over Sanchez. John Fox, he is stubborn, and he wants to keep it with Glennon. But Trubisky was far and away of all the top quarterbacks. And, Dave, I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. this quarterback crop, it looks like it's going to be the real deal. I think all four of these guys could be a big-time player in this league. Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes, and then uh, Kaiser. All four of those guys looked really, really good, and they all had spark. Trubisky, though, was far and away. He looked the best out of all of them. Compare them to this class, because I saw I saw this article and it teased me. It was one of the major websites. It said, Lamar Jackson to return to the Cardinals next year. And ha, 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 they met number 20 overall to the Arizona Cardinals. But the sixth uh, quarterback taken in the draft. Will there be that many first-rounders, and how good are they? Who were the other names? Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Right. Who were, who were the other names? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. It was, yeah, the two California but, quarterbacks, and, yeah, that's all I've got yeah. off the top of my head. And Lamar Jackson. And, yeah. and I'm sure there's some big names out there. There, You know, all, there's the one kid, too, in, like, the Dakotas or right. Wyoming. Who, Josh Allen, who's really, really that's good. That's it. Yeah. Um, this is the time of the year with college football where we announce the Heisman Trophy winner, we announce our national champion, and we say that these guys are going to be the top five picks in the NFL draft, and it's never right, ever. Uh, by natural attrition, three or four of those guys, I'll say more two or three because quarterbacks are overrated, will drop off. And then I think the order of the other ones will change, and someone might get added to the mix a little bit later that we weren't ready to see, like a Carson Wentz or something like that we've seen in the past. So that, like, that's the prediction, but these predictions are never right. Um, and like right now, Sam Darnold is running away with the Heisman. I'll, I'll bet you ten bucks he doesn't win it. <laughs> like, like I, it always happens. If you are the favorite. All we do is spend the next year picking you apart. Whereas if you're the underdog, we spend the, the, the whole year showing why you should have been in the conversation. It, I'll never forget Charlie Strong in that season when they were supposed to go undefeated right. and they beat Ohio and everyone said undefeated, undefeated, undefeated. And he said, this is just too much. Like we can't win enough for you guys. We're always talking about what could be, what should be. And that's what it's like when you're the favorite. And it's just, it's very funny how little, the like Matt Barkley was supposed to win the Heisman, didn't come close because we judge them so ruthlessly.
and Ron Paulus was going to win back to back. Exactly. It's it. Look, I I I love when it comes to Vegas. I think the one thing that I've learned from gambling recently, because I've been picking it up and mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun, oh, yeah. uh, uh, is it more often than not it pays to bet against public thought. Vegas builds cathedrals of money because they disagree with what most people believe. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I always like to go, what if it's the opposite? Now, don't take this the wrong way. I'm betting on Floyd Mayweather. You know what I mean? Like sure. that's, that's a public notion that I'm going to stick with. But more often than not, when there's big predictions, I like to go, I bet you it doesn't happen, because more oftentimes than not, you're going to be right. Okay, we had a little conversation a minute ago with, with Mud, and I saw this article, What Not to Say When, or oh. Respond to Someone When They Tell You That They Love You. And I thought of the Big Bang Theory, Leonard said, I love you, Penny, and she said, thank you. So Adam Lefko, mm-hmm. have you ever in your life with your relationship said, I love you first, and how did it go? I'm going to say no. You don't think I've ever said I love you first, Mud? Well, that's crazy. I, I absolutely have said I love <laughs> you first. Um, I think that the thing is, is um, I tell women all the time that they have the power of silence. That if they're ever in an argument with a guy, if they go silent and they wait 10, 15 minutes, maybe a half an hour, the truth will come out. It's women's <laughs> incredible power of silence. But the men have the incredible power of when to say, I love you. Because the woman typically waits for the man to say it because it's, it's this bowing of the knee. It's this, it's the same thing of like, I am at your mercy. I am sacrificing my ego so that you will appreciate my love. Now I have been hit with, I love you before I'm ready to do it. Mm -hmm. And what typically what has happened in those situations, I have said that back. And then later that day, I have said, I'd like to talk about what happened earlier because I don't want to get carried away. And I, I try to handle it very professionally, and I try to handle it very respectfully. And I, if I've ever been in that situation, and you go, listen, like, like, I think you're moving a little fast. I feel a very similar emotion to you, but that was a little bit much. But at the time, yeah, you can't look at someone and be like, I appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, you can't right. do that. Now, is it possible? Wow, what a kind compliment. Exactly. Is it possible that Adam Lefko, in one of those scenarios where you said it and later had to redact it, according to the word we love now, from the NCAA, was it possible you'd already rounded second heading to third? She said, I love you, and you're like, I can't say no right now. Yeah, like, like if someone says, I love you, it's very rare that you're like, wow, that's weird because I actually re- strongly dislike you. <laughs> like, there's clear, like, clearly something is happening in that moment. You're staring in each other's eyes. Your favorite song just came on. An old couple walks by and she thinks about your future. Yeah. Someone tells you guys that you look cute together. You get a good comment on an Instagram post. Something happens that's bringing out all this great romantic feeling that they want to look at you and be like, you mean the world to me, and there's this phrase that everyone uses, and it, it symbolizes my heart, and it means that I care about you as a human, and they say it. And it's very rare that you're going to be like, wait, what? Oh, no, I was watching the game. <laughs> wow, like, we're that on... doesn't happen. <laughs> Typically, you're like, Ouch. I agree, I feel that, I feel, I almost cursed. I feel that stuff, too, but, right. man... Yeah, because what, what happens is as soon as you say it, 
they change. They do. They really do. They sit on you differently. They look at you differently. Uh, they talk about you differently. They start admitting things. Once you say I love you, you learn a lot right away. Yeah, because if you come back with after the I love you, wow, we are in we're on different pages altogether here, aren't we? Hmm. That won't go well for you. Yeah, you can't be like, Oh my god, that's so cute. Right. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> that's precious. Thanks for telling yeah, me. That's what I'm telling you. That's why later you gotta be like this is what I love to do. Whenever I feel uncomfortable, I just say that in previous relationships, it didn't go well when I did that. Oh. So that it's very easy to move forward. So I'll be like, listen. How many relationships? I was in a relationship, in a relationship before, and someone said, like, she said, I love you very early. And then I said it, and it kind of went down a path where I felt uncomfortable. And I'm afraid that that's going to happen now. Mm. And then they go, ooh, they broke up in that last relationship. I don't want to break up. We can talk about this. <laughs> Left go. Thank also, you. Don't, just don't be the guy that's like dating a girl for 10 years and is going to eventually oh, yeah. get a ring. Like that guy stinks too. Yeah, yes, he does. Thank you. Oh, speaking of that, Left go, are you in a relationship now? Do tell. I am. I am in a relationship. Going well? It's, it's amazing. It's the best one I've ever been in. How did you she's meet a her? Doctor, she's a doctor and a model, and she's funnier than I am. So All it's right. working out well. Have you okay. told her you loved her yet? Uh, what are you doing, Dave? I'm just trying to get to the heart of Adam Lefko live in Manhattan. I'm feeling, I'm feeling very strong emotions. Uh, I, you know, I like to keep pillow talk, pillow talk, mm-hmm. uh, because you know I've just learned that uh, the great leaders in our world, when they share those personal emotions, it can lead to a setback professionally. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to avoid the conversation right now. Gotcha. Uh, but, but it's great, man. We haven't met any family or anything like that, but it's good. Now, you said she's a model. She's not like an Instagram model. Or a hand model? No, no, no. She's no. a real model. Yeah, she what? great hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's, a, she's like a, she's an actually like real trained dancer. She's uh, not like, not like that. She's amazing. So it's really good. I think I finally figured out that you should be with people that are better than you. That way you're not constantly questioning everything That's about the them. Good, good call. Thank it you, Let's It go. works out well. Perfect note to end it on. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Everybody in Louisville, enjoy Dave Jennings and his wonderful tone. Mud, I love you, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you, Lefko. <laughs> I think Lefko was afraid of the karma chameleon. He didn't want to jinx anything right? because it's going so well. You have a knack for getting people into trouble. I try to do that. It is what I do. <laughs> and we ran really long, but that's okay. We love talking to Adam. We'll come back and talk to you. And if you have an awkward I love you story, I would love... To hear it from you. See, I said it first. 790 KRD. AirServe proudly presents the Afternoon Underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now here's Dave Jennings. Glad to have you back for the final 20 minutes. Thanks to Lefko for an Lefko for an extended session here on 790 KRD. Glad to have you here. We'll get to J-Rock here in just a second. A couple of headlines. Eric Crawford, by the way, joined us right after 4 o'clock. So if you go back on the podcast, he'll kind of outline Louisville's strategy and where they might have a shot with the appeal and the NCAA Appeals Committee. By the way, he set the odds of Louisville keeping banners at 35%, which is a little better than a lot of people have been saying. So great piece there. And another one on Kyle Couric and Joey Cecil. Both guys battling brain tumors. Kyle's head, he has removed, and he's playing again. Joey's was stage four, and he's clear right now, but it's a very dangerous tumor. And a really good piece there from Eric at WDRB.com. 
So I just went into my boss's office, and we were talking about those Eclipse glasses. So I'd been at Kroger 15 times, walked past. It was on the way out, so I never saw them while I was in the store. Told myself 15 times, got to come back and get some Eclipse glasses. Went to three different Kroger stores today, all gone. I'm not sure, but I think Heine Brothers are all gone. My wife is watching the news at home because we're going to swing by the WDRB booth at the fair where they have them, and a surprise, a really long line at a booth at the fair. So then Josh, my boss, says, really? You're going to stare at the sun with those cheap little glasses? And I thought, sure. But the more people have said that, I wonder, hmm, could it be one of those things where you think you're fine, and then the damage comes later? Because they've had all those glasses off Amazon that were a problem, and they were not quite legit. See, that was my argument. That was Mud's argument also. That They said, okay, look it, let's just do the way we used to do it in school. Get a box and put a hole in it and a piece of paper and watch a bright circle slowly disappear. Yeah. So if anyone knows where to get glasses, or if you have a couple extra pair and you want to drop them off at the station, feel free to do it. Or just buy some glasses and spray paint the lenses black. Do not do that. That will not be approved in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. Roger Goodell appointed Harold Henderson... To hear Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott's appeal, the hearing is August the 29th. He's been doing this, Henderson has, since 2008. Two big cases that he's been the arbiter of, former Cowboys defensive end Greg Hardy and then running back Adrian Peterson. A mixed bag if you're looking for precedent. Henderson reduced Hardy's suspension for alleged domestic violence from 10 games all the way down to four back in 2015. He upheld Peterson's indefinite suspension for child abuse back in 2014. Obviously, the NFL is very stern with the way Elliot has handled this so far, leaking information that she was a really bad person, which, of course, does not justify what he allegedly did to her. More bad news for the Colts, who are really banged up after training camp. Ryan Kelly, their starting center, out possibly for four, I'm sorry, six to eight weeks, according to Adam Schefter at ESPN. And I asked Lefko a little while ago, because we're hearing good things about Teddy Bridgewater's progress. That's moving and throwing, not with contact, but something a lot of folks said he would not be able to do for a long time, if ever. Lefko seems to think Bridgewater will actually physically be ready to play before Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Whether they don't rest him a little longer because they have Sam Bradford, that's one thing. But that's the optimism surrounding Teddy Bridgewater right now and the Vikings. And, of course, they have Dalvin Cook. He's going to haunt me till the end of my days. Let's go to J-Rock. What's up, J-Rock? Hey, what's up, Dave? I was pretty disappointed in your hard-hitting interview with Lefko. I got a couple questions you should have asked. Oh, yeah, go, go. Now that, now that he's in a relationship, you should have asked where he met this dude. Uh, and then I have a question. I have a question that Tony would have asked him too. Since the since the dude's a doctor, how big his hands were? Mm-hmm. Not sure if he's proctology or ears, nose, and throat. Why does he hate Lefko? I don't know. Well, you did ask him on where you meet, but then he kept talking, so we never oh. got that story. So, how do you have time? Lefko's new unnamed uh, relationship female person. We assume it's female. Who's a doctor supermodel. A doctor slash model. All right. I've, yeah, I added super. but Now, this could be, you could be like a chiropractor and have done like two years and you're a DC doctor. Still a doctor. And you could be a Lane Bryant model. Still a model. All of these things are possible. Speaking of good looking females, the, according to Forbes, our own Jennifer Lawrence is not the highest paid actress in Hollywood this year. Didn't really have any blockbusters, I don't think, this year. She came in third, $24 million. So don't start the GoFundMe page just yet. Jennifer's doing fine. Emma Stone, she was in that 
This is the critics loved it, but no one else loved it. La La Land. Anybody see that? Nah. Emma Stone made $26 million. It says pre-tax here. So the government got involved. They got about $8 million, right? Jennifer Aniston. What did Jennifer Aniston do this year? Probably just the, the money still from Friends. $25.5 million. Melissa McCarthy, $18 million. Mila Kunis, $15.5. Then Emma Watson, Charlize Theron, Kate Blanchett, Julia Roberts, and Amy Adams, your biggest hitters in Hollywood. If you love Tom Cruise movies, I particularly don't, but he's all right. Mission Impossible 6, the filming is on hiatus. Tom Cruise, who also had a ham sandwich, spent three years at St. X here in Louisville. Not sure what the lunch menu was. But Tom hurt himself doing his own stunt. So good on that, but he broke his ankle. So it's about eight weeks or nine weeks while he heals, but they still expect Mission Impossible 6. They have five of these? Where was I for three, four, and five? I had no idea they had five Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. Any of them good besides the first two? I have not seen the last one, but a lot. I really liked the one before that. I think it was, what number? I think it was like four or something like that. That was really good. So it kind of goes along with with Star Trek movies, where one is awful, really awful. Well, none of them are ever awful. Oh, the first one was awful. No, the first one was awful. Floating through the clouds, the first Star Star Trek movie... Awful. Oh, yeah. Awful. And then Rathacon, good. Third one, not so good. Fourth one with the dolphin or the dinosaur, not dinosaurs, whales, humpback whales, good. Fifth one, and sixth one, pretty good. Anyway, so Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible 6, July 27th, 2018. He does way too many stunts. Oh, he does. He's the Jackie Chan of American actors. Is Jackie Chan American now? Dual citizenship? I don't know. Do I have time for the Tom Jurat sound here, Mud? Let's do it. This is exclusive stuff. Jody Demling and other members of the media caught up with Tom Jurich, who's been very accessible, the, or as Tony would say, accessible. I only assess his outfit today. Very accessible this week. And he's talking about, first of all, and a lot of it is the new stadium, which is going to be awesome and apparently on schedule. The addition, not the new stadium. Here's Tom and the guys. Never take for granted. We appreciate this greatly. I think they're going to be equally as proud of this as you guys are today when you see this. And uh, I think it, it, every day it gets better, bigger and better, and, and, and the magnitude of it, I think, is just stunning, especially when you get down here on the field and work out. So we're excited about it, and hopefully we can continue to grow and, and grow at the right pace. When it's all said and done, five years now, looking back on it, I mean, what will this accomplish? I mean, just the, I, the sound alone, I can fathom, will just be deafening in here. Well, that's what we're hoping for. I think the one thing we wanted to make sure is if we did close in the end zone, we didn't just do it as a normal bowl just bowl it in and put a bunch of bench seats. We want to do something that's really out of the norm, and I think we have. I don't think any college in the United States can, can compete with this as far as the uniqueness of it, to have all the chairbacks we have. I think this is going to give us up to 75 uh, uh, suites right now, private suites. We're going to have four different clubs. We're going to have uh, the Brown and Williamson Club, the PNC Club, the new Pepsi Club, and then the, the unnamed. Unnamed. i got to keep you in suspense. That just stopped. Lovely. It is done. Oh, there you go. We'll try and catch the rest of Tom Jurich's sound here in a little bit. If you want to weigh in on my question that I asked earlier in the day, and a couple of times, and Eric Crawford weighed in, but UofL has, to me, three obvious, they're all big when you want to go to a playoff, win a conference title, whatever, what have you. And expectations are high with a returning Heisman Trophy quarterback. But the three biggest ones, for me as a fan, and obviously you two, are going to be Clemson, home, Florida State Road, Kentucky Road. In all likelihood, to me, Louisville goes 2-1 and one in those games. Let's just say that happens. Sure, there's a chance of 1-2. and two. Sure, there's a chance of 3-0. and oh. 
two and one, very likely, with Vegas probably saying at FSU is the unlikely one. Although after winning by a thousand points, I don't know why that's so unlikely. But to me, if you're going to win those or two of those three, most important to win the conference games, despite the fact you have to hear it from BBN. And as I told you earlier, Coach Stoops' contract, believe it or not, after he hits win number seven, he gets a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus. Win number eight, another two fifty. Win number nine, another two fifty. Now we're getting into giggle time. Win number ten, another two fifty. So it could be a million dollars for Stoops and two years on his contract if he wins ten games. So you'll make him wealthier if you lose the Kentucky game, but you beat Clemson and Florida State, you are winning the Atlantic. Even if you stumble at NC State or North Carolina, unlikely. Wake Forest, no way. No way at all. Sorry, Coach Clawson. You will still win the Atlantic via tiebreaker. And to me, that's more important. You do that, go to the conference title game, beat a really good team out of the coastal. Not sure that team's going to exist this year. Maybe Miami or Vatek surprises us. It won't be Carolina. And then if Kentucky's the only loss, maybe difficult because it was the last game, sneak back into a playoff. But you lose to Florida State. Odds are at best you're going to be even with them in the division. They win the tiebreaker. And then you go to one of the other also-ran bowls. So to me, way more important to win the conference games than UK. Not everybody agrees with me, but if you would like to weigh in, 571-7900. I'll see if I can fix the audio with Tom. We'll catch up on that. If we don't have time... Maybe Jody Demling will get to it tomorrow, since that's his audio after all. I'm just stealing it. Charcoal and more. And by the way, if you'd like to join us at Kenny in the Garages, it's right down from Lots of Pasta in the heart of St. Matthews. It's before you get to Cannons Lane on the left by the dentist office. I'm heading down Lexington Road, Lots of Pasta's on the right. And Hal from Charcoal and More and Chris Marks, the world champion barbecue, are going to have some, have some samples for us as we do the show from Kenny in the Garages. Jerry Jones will be there. I heard a couple of Louisville coaches might show up. Not sure which ones. Could be the rowing coach. Could be Rick Pitino. The odds are probably better of the former. But I don't know. I just heard two. Why am I talking like this? <laughs> charcoal and more. Start with the great charcoal. And then you need the good equipment. If you already have a green egg that you love or a grill that you love, fine. But if you want to get into smoking, and this is so much fun. I love dabbling. I'm getting better. It's not as complicated as you would think. I have the offset smoker where you grill on one side. That's the firebox. And it has the grate with the cross kind of thing on it. Leaves a really cool impression on your burgers and steaks. But then a smoker with two racks on the other side, same grate. Really good charcoal on one side. Set the temperature. Forget about it. And Hal has all the sauces, all the rubs, the charcoal. And the smoker, I have the Patio Junior, which is perfect for a small a small patio. It's not that much bigger than a Weber grill, but it does so much more. And Hal loves to talk to you. His motto, helping great people or good people make great barbecue. I'm a great person that makes good barbecue. That person exists, even if I do say so myself. Charcoalandmore.com on South Penn Avenue in Sellersburg. Off exit 7, go right off the exit, go left when the road ends. As in about a mile or so, when it bears to the left, stay straight on the smaller road. Charcoal and more is there on the left. Back to wrap things up on this Thursday on 790 KRD. Sports. Cards Radio 790 KRD. Not sure what it's like around the rest of the metro, but it is pouring and thundering here, not too far away from downtown Louisville. Not sure what things are what are going on down there at Slugger Field this afternoon? Greg Elliott was talking about how unfortunate the timing has been for these Thirsty Thursdays, which we love. It's rained for a bunch of them, so hopefully 
Louisville and Pawtucket can get going tonight at 7.05. You can enjoy the Dollar Bud and Bud Light. Tomorrow, a ton of stuff going on. The team I watched growing up, the Rochester Red Wings, used to ride to the games on the back of my dad's 66 Honda down to Silver Stadium in Rochester. They're in town, 7.05, and that's one of those friends and family nights with Raising Cane's. Four tickets, four Bats hats, and four delicious meals from Raising Cane's, just 44 bucks. And Jake the Diamond Dog, and Fireworks, and that Russian bar trio team performing all the tricks out of the bag and at you tomorrow at Louisville Slugger Field. This week, Louisville City FC on the road. That's a Sunday game, 4.45, the pregame show on News Radio 840. And we will see you on Monday. Jody Demling has the show that's next, and he's filling in here on the dogs tomorrow. Have a great weekend. Have a great long weekend if you're lucky enough, like me and Tony, to be done as of right now. Almost right now. 790 KRD. Now. Cards Radio 790 KRD. Okay then, Dr. Carter. Thanks a lot. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.